May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. All right, well, today, as we know, is the fourth Sunday of Advent. One thing I've, I've noticed is just Advent seems to go really fast. And before we, before we know it, uh, it's Christmas. <laughs> so, so we are definitely there. And ready or not, Christmas is coming and almost here. And of course, as I've already mentioned, we will celebrate the Nativity of our Lord on Christmas Eve this Friday right here in the chapel at 7 p.m. And and as we are reflecting on the season, certain themes come to mind when we think of the Christmas holidays, which all highlight Emmanuel, or God with us, as the saying goes. Jesus is the reason for the season. So as I reflected uh, on, the, on St. Luke's gospel account, uh, where the angel appeared to the shepherds, and they were very much afraid in the presence of the glory of the Lord that shined all around them. And the angel said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And we find that gospel account in St. Luke's gospel, the second chapter, verses 10 through 14. So let's hold on to that phrase, fear not. So when we think of fear not, we also think of and on earth peace and goodwill toward men, as it's written in the King James Version. So we might ask ourselves then, how can we have peace in the midst of so many of life's storms. And we all go through that in various ways, in various magnitudes. And the best way that we can illustrate life's storms at times would be when we think of of a hurricane, a very powerful storm that thankfully, unlike tornadoes, is at least a little bit more predictable. But what is a hurricane by definition? Well, it is a storm with cyclonic winds that exceed 74 miles per hour, which include rain, thunder, and lightning, usually accompanied by the very strong winds. And hurricanes can be very fierce storms with relentless pounding winds that continue hour after hour. So for those of you that grew up maybe on the coastal areas, you know of what I speak. And I know we lived in South Carolina and we we fled the path of a particular hurricane. Powerful stuff. But there's a very fascinating thing about a hurricane. That is its eye. It's a place of perfect calm in the center of such a fierce storm. And though the winds blow and rage all round about it, there are none in the eye of that storm. So with us in the storms of life, with the Lord as our center, there is calm and peace even in the midst of life's darkest storms. And that's the one thing that we have to keep in mind. No, no, no matter how bad things get and how terrible our circumstances might seem, 
Know that we are not walking through that alone, that we have the Lord. He is our perfect peace. So this morning, we will focus on having that peace of God that surpasses all understanding, which guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So with that in mind, let's turn to our epistle reading for this morning that's found on page 995 of your prayer book. And that is the epistle for the fourth Sunday in Advent, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. And I will begin with rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So why do we repeat the word rejoice? Why the repetition? St. Paul previously addressed disagreement between two ladies in the church, Yodia and Syntyche. We don't know what they were fussing about, but he exhorted, exhorted these co-laborers in Christ to agree in the Lord. And immediately following the exhortation, the apostle exhorted the church to rejoice with double emphasis. Why? Well, this may imply that a single injunction might prompt the question then, how can we rejoice in view of all of our difficulties? So he repeats the command because in all the changes and chances of this fleeting life, whether it's illness, whether it's financial difficulty, interpersonal conflict in our various relationships, and even the persecution from the world or threat of imminent death, all of which St. Paul himself experienced at that time in which he wrote that letter. The Christian in the midst of such circumstances is to maintain a spirit of joy in the Lord. We are not immune to sorrow, nor should we be insensitive to the troubles of others. Yet we should count the will of God as our highest joy. Did you get that? Count following the will of God as our highest joy. And as the Holy Spirit empowers us to experience inner peace and joy in every circumstance. Well, let's move on to the next verse, chapter five. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Okay, reasonableness. What does that mean? Well, it means in the Greek, not insisting on every right of the letter of the law or custom. It's being yielding, gentle, kind, courteous, and having a forbearing spirit. In other words, it is the willingness to yield one's personal rights and to show consider, consideration and gentleness to others. Because if we think about it, it's easy to display this quality towards some persons, but St. Paul commands that to be shown toward all. And that would seem to include Christian friends, unsaved persecutors, false teachers, or anyone at all. Now, it doesn't mean that we buy into that teaching or we don't call them out, but, but this is where we speak the truth in love. That's what we are commanded to do because we never sacrifice truth, but a gentle spirit will do much to disarm the adversary. As we read in Proverbs chapter 15, verse one, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And the apostle reminds us also that the Lord is near, which refers to the parousia or the appearing of Christ in the second coming 
more than his continual presence with Christians. And as St. James wrote in his epistle, you also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And that's St. James chapter 5, verses 8 through 9. So that entire phrase, that statement is a reminder that when Christ returns at the end of the age, the righteous judge will return to make all things new. And he will set things right which will make our human differences seem trivial by comparison in the age to come, in a new heaven and a new earth. And by the way, that that entire mindset, I'm convinced, is what kept us together all throughout the the pandemic even. You know, we didn't split apart like I've, I've seen happen in some parishes, even in our diocese. So I'm very grateful for that. Let's move on to the next verse, verse 6. And do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, when we think of, of anxious, in the Greek, that means to be apprehensive, to have anxiety, to be anxious or to be unduly concerned about circumstances well beyond our control. Now, to be very clear, this is not the same thing as having a clinical anxiety disorder, which is characterized by a sudden feeling of panic and fear, restlessness, uneasiness. And if that is the case, if you're struggling with clinical anxiety or even depression, well, by all means, seek care by a licensed behavioral health professional and, of course, seek prayer. Like I always said, we fight the battle on both fronts. We, we seek care from a qualified professional and prayer, certainly for, for me or anyone of us here amongst us today. So if you struggle with that in the same manner that we seek care by the medical professional, if we're physically ill or injured, Uh, then by all means, we get that help, get that care, and certainly get, uh, receive that prayer. So, so what, what, what is the difference here uh, between being unduly concerned versus uh, versus having clinical anxiety? Well, what I'm talking about uh, has more to do with having undue concern about circumstances beyond our control. Meaning, and I would have a tendency to worry about things that are beyond my control, and I think I've seen some growth in that, uh, some growth in that area. But remember what Jesus said in St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 25. This is what he said. He says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So that was the point that Jesus made. So what is the answer to having that type of anxiety, which is not clinical, but but having more undue concern about circumstances beyond our control? Well, it begins with prayer. Okay, and in the Greek, what that denotes is the petitioner's attitude of mind as worshipful. In other words, our faith is in the object in whom it's placed, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Supplication 
denotes prayers as expressions of needs. So, so by all means, if you have needs, express your needs unto the Lord. But also having uh, an attitude of thanksgiving. And the Greek word there is from which we get Eucharist, which is our great Thanksgiving feast. That should accompany all Christian prayers as the petitioner acknowledges that whatever God sends us is for our good. Even if we don't understand why at the time, it's for our good. It's for our growth. It's to his glory. In fact, the, the, the safe answer when you have to ask why God would allow a certain thing uh, to happen or a certain circumstance, the safe answer should always begin with for his own glory. But also he's going to bring us through that situation as we yield to the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can grow in the midst of our circumstances. This is all useful as part of our sanctification. But also, too, as we are giving thanks, we remember the previous blessings that he's bestowed upon us, which when we look back, I mean, and and think about uh, going way back when we were short on just about everything, including Toilet paper and milk and chocolate milk and eggs. You know, we, we were thankful to get what we could get. And, and then I think we all truly acknowledge that give us, our, give us this day our daily bread actually meant something. And that we know that the Lord provided in the midst of that. And certainly whenever we present those requests, it's certainly very important to pray according to God's will. Lord, if it be your will, grant this request. So what is the end result of that peace? Verse seven, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's the promise. So following the exhortation to pray, St. Paul concludes with a beautiful promise that when we turn from being anxious to an attitude of prayer and thanksgiving, God will grant us his peace because then at that point, Our focus isn't on us, but our focus is on him. And this peace is reserved for those who already have peace with God through justification by faith in Christ. So for those who don't know Christ, they cannot experience that peace at all. But for those who are in Christ, this promise is reserved for us. So this is a peace that can certainly exceed all human understanding. And it accomplishes far more than any human forethought or plan that we may design, uh, that we may devise. Okay, because because sometimes when when we try to fix something that is so broken beyond our control, how often do we have a tendency to make matters worse? You know, at least you know not only circumstantially, but how we even feel worse in our own hearts and minds. You see what I mean? There's no peace there. So this is where we all have to learn, including me. <laughs> to put our faith and our trust in the Lord. Because he promised that when he will return, he will make all things new. For the peace of God not only suffices, but far surpasses any human comprehension. And it also acts as a sentry to guard our heart, which is a a biblical symbol for the personality in which the mind resides, the seat of our emotions and the believer's thoughts from all anxiety and despair. Okay, so uh, don't believe what it says to follow your heart. That's bad advice because the heart is deceitful. Who can know it? As Jeremiah wrote, 
Okay, but we need to pray that the Lord would guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So that is such a profound concept to remember that we hear it every week and at the end of each service whenever I give the blessing or the blessing Bishop Seeley gave last week, that the peace of God which passeth all understanding keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's, of course, on page 84 of your prayer book. Now, I'm going to close with a passage out of Ephesians where St. Paul expanded on this thought in a prayer for the church in Ephesus. So I'm right now in Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to pick up with verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's a a beautiful prayer for spiritual strength uh, for one of the churches in Asia Minor that was going through some stuff at the time. So I commend that passage, passage to you for your personal reflection. So as we prepare and as we finalize some of our last minute plans to receive company, whether we have some more gifts to purchase or whatever, as we prepare to celebrate the nativity of our Lord this Friday, right here at 7 p.m., Christmas Eve, let us reflect upon what it truly means to experience true peace that exceeds all understanding, especially as we prepare for a new year with all that comes with it, knowing that God is in control. Whatever happens around us, understand that this did not catch God by surprise at all. He is sovereign. And that he empowers us with his Holy Spirit to trust in his sovereign will for our lives, come what may. For in him we live and move and have our being, as we read in the book of Acts. Amen. And we say this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen.